Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Very happy to be here tonight. We've got an incredible show planned for you guys. We are multicasting. If you are looking for everywhere we are live, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, if you want to support the show, Simply go to allmylinks.com slash thehumanxp. We truly do appreciate any contributions. It allows us to make the show better for you, our listeners. But by far, the biggest compliment that you can give us is by spreading the word about this show. Tell your friends, family, everyone you know. Word of mouth is how we grow. If you have not heard the show before, you're in for quite the experience. Tonight... We are going to be looking at the healing properties of plant medicine, namely ayahuasca. It's going to be an incredible broadcast. So whether you're here with us live or you are listening to the replay or the podcast version of this, thank you so much for your presence tonight. A massive shout out to our loyal listeners and our very gracious supporters. You guys know who you are. I appreciate you guys very much, but... I digress. Let's get started. Go grab a drink, sit back, and enjoy this conversation. The Human Experiences in Session. My name is Xavier Katana. My guest for tonight is Matthew Kale. Matt is a U.S. military combat veteran, PTSD survivor, and founder. Matt has been on the front lines of drug policy advocacy and reform in regards to plant medicine and using unorthodox treatment methods to treat PTSD and trauma since 2013. Matt served in the 101st Airborne Division in Afghanistan where an accident sent him home injured, traumatized, and suffering from crippling PTSD. Matt is the founder of Veterans for Natural Rights, an organization that aims to build community support and resources for veterans that are suffering with PTSD and trauma. He is also the president of the Weed for Warriors Project in Colorado and host of the 1620 show on the Veterans Channel. He is one of the people featured in the documentary we're going to be talking about tonight, From Shock to Awe. Matt, it's such a pleasure. Welcome to HXP. Thank you for having me. So, Matt, I mean, where do we begin? Let's let's. T- I mean, I love the documentary. I watched. I got a chance to watch it a couple times, and I mean, let's let's start with a little bit of your background. What what led you to choose military service? Why did you decide to do that with your life? Oh, wow that that is a whole can of worms right there. Um, uh, it's actually not clear at what drove me to military service. 
I grew up with a father who was a colonel in the Marine Corps, and um, he's pretty authoritarian in his parenting style, and we just didn't really get along. So I kind of swore off military service early on in my life. But um, by the time I had a son of my own, I was working in um, I was working in a uh, music recording studio as an audio engineer, and the money was good, but it was intermittent. Um, I'd get a contract and it'd be great for a little while. And then, um, you know, there'd be a a month or two where I didn't have any work. And, um, that, that kind of lifestyle works well for a single guy, but not so well for people with dependents. So, um, I started examining other options. And, um, one of the things that has been constant in my life is pushing my own boundaries and doing things that I never thought that I would do. And, one of those things was kicking down doors, blowing stuff up, and and unfortunately, part of the job is killing people. Um, and I really didn't know if I was up to the task, but I was willing to challenge myself to see if I was. Hmm. So I signed on the dotted line, and I raised my hand, and I swore to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and was deployed shortly after. But unfortunately, it turns out that not many military people are really charged with supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States. And the oath of enlistment is all but bankrupt in its meaning these days. So um, there's a, a definite sense of moral injury when someone who signs up for all the right reasons ends up being a stormtrooper for the Empire, essentially. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and... Um, so moral injury, uh, actual trauma, and then survivor's guilt, I really characterize as three separate things, but they're all very comorbid and they have a lot of the same symptoms. Uh, but the three are very different, but I have all three definitely from both of my deployments. It's incredible. And, you know, let me just thank you for your service because it's important, I think, to cover, you know, this and it led you to exploring plant medicine because Western medicine had failed you. You know, you had tried to commit suicide and you, you were, you lost all hope, right? Absolutely. I was completely at below rock bottom. There was no bottom to this, this hole that I was in. It just kept going down and I was completely hopeless, bereft of any kind of, uh, idea of a normal life that there, there was there was not even the the inkling of a normal life in in my head i believed that i was a murderer and that i deserved to die huh. you know i don't i don't think that the human brain and psychologically i don't think the human brain is wired to take another life you know and so when when soldiers come back from combat they're they're mostly forgotten about you know we forget about uh, you know, our combat veterans and, and there's so many uh, suicides that happen and it's horrifying, you know, what happens to these people that serve our country. And like you said, I mean, it's, it's morally bankrupt. So eventually you came to a point where, I mean, how did you hear about ayahuasca? How did you find out about this? Uh, believe it or not, I, I actually studied all of the indole-alkylamine hallucinogens slash entheogens um, in college back in the late 90s. 
Um, I was a behavioral neuroscience student at Appalachian State University, and I did a lot of my work on the anatomy and how it corresponded to the function of the brain. But I spent all of my spare time researching the psychopharmacology of indolalkylamines and cannabinoids. So I was kind of well prepared for uh, my life after the service, but, but I had to overcome my, hesita- my hesitancy to re-engage these substances again. I mean, I, when you first get out of the military, it's um, transition is very difficult for almost everyone. Um, mm-hmm. They spend so much time teaching you to be a killer, but they don't spend any time to deprogram that killer. And um, so when I got back to the civilian arena, you know, I was still trying to be the good soldier and still trying to do everything that I was told, everything I was ordered to, which included taking this massive and debilitating regimen of pharmaceutical pills. Mm. Um, so, so this this uh, constant stuffing my face full of pills really kept me in a sort of psychological stasis. And I wasn't able to address the trauma or even recognize the trauma that I had undergone, not just in the military, but in my childhood too, believe it or not. Um, the, the common thread for all of this stuff, whether it's, PTSD, suicide, or addiction is childhood trauma. Um, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate uh, does an amazing piece about how the the roots of addiction are based in childhood trauma. And people are trying to medicate the pain away. And they use all of the, the tools that are readily available, but extremely harmful. You know, things like cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, or in my case, it was the opiate pills and the benzodiazepine pills and um, all of these other substances that kind of numbed me Mm -hmm. to the pain, but it also numbed me to the variations and uh, the goods and bads in life. So I was just completely uh, destroyed. Uh, I mean, my body was starting to fall apart. Uh, I gained massive amounts of weight. I uh, was a zombie in every sense of the word. I, I would fall asleep in the middle of my sentences. I, w- I wasn't able to c- carry a conversation. It was it was horrible. The, the quality of life was absolutely terrible. And eventually I had to start looking for other options. And that's really when I stepped outside of the VA system and their method of trying to, to treat these illnesses, which falls far short, um, but that the plant medicines are particularly good at treating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had Dr. Gabor Mate on the show several times, and I mean, I've I've been such a huge proponent of of this research for so long. Uh, you know, Rick Doblin's been on the show, uh, Rick Strassman, uh, Dennis McKenna. So, I mean, this is right down our alley, and everything you're doing with. From shock to awe, and like I said, I I love the documentary because you know, in the beginning it it really kind of showcases the the I mean the the pure pain of coming back and trying to reassimilate and being unable to, and and then you know it it changes it shifts. I mean you can feel this perceptual shift when you get to a point where you drink the tea, and I mean I I, I want to get into that. You know, there. You know, Western medicine has failed you. You've tried to commit suicide. Nothing is working for you whatsoever. 
you get to this place and you're about to drink this hallucinogenic tea, which you've researched, I mean, neurologically. Tell me about that first session. How did it go for you? Oh, wow. Um, it was uh, absolutely re- revelatory. I mean, it, it, it changed everything. The first session just in itself, and it seemed actually pretty simple at the time. But um, in actuality, I, I was sitting there and you know, he kept coming around with the cups of tea and I kept drinking every booster that was offered. Um, and I, I think I got up to, to four cups and, um, I was sitting there and, and my, I keep, you know, making these faces, these trying to like kind of contain my stomach cause my stomach started acting up and it was just like, okay, shut up stomach. I, I, that, we got this, hold it together. And, um, so, you know, I was kind of like, um, you know, just, uh, making faces in an attempt to kind of keep it down. <laughs> and, um, the, uh, the facilitator there came by and he said, Hey, how you doing, man? And, um, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm not really entirely sure. Sh- I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling really. I don't know what's supposed to be different. And, um, and he said, okay, we'll try a few more things. And he came around with uh, these little kashakas, uh, they're the like palm frond sort of uh, rattles, mm-hmm. and he would he spread this like flowery water onto the the kashakas and shake them around your head, and um, there was something about that sound that set me off, and. I just couldn't contain it anymore. It just started coming up and I grabbed the the bucket really quickly and I just started hurling as hard as I could into that bucket Hmm. and I puked up everything. It was um, not just the contents of my stomach. It was the contents of my soul for the previous couple of years. And um, what I found is, is I, I was, I was purging out a kind of a demon almost. I, I looked at the bottom. I could see through my white plastic bucket. I could see the, the, um, vomit at the bottom of the bucket and it was dark black and it just looked like demon to me. So I kind of personified it that way. And I realized, Oh man, I just, I just expelled a demon out of me how the hell did that demon get in there? And then I realized, oh, wait a second. You put that demon in there. So you have wronged yourself Mm. by putting this demon in there. And then your entire struggle over the previous couple years has all been an attempt to control this thing that is now imprisoned inside of you. And I keep pushing it back down and pushing it back down and pushing it back down and holding on to it, trying to control it. But it kept bothering me. It kept screwing up my life and getting in the way of a true experience of existence. And once I let it out and into the bucket, then I realized, oh, my God, you didn't just do this to yourself. You did that to the demon, too. You took this thing that was just like flying out here in the ether and you imprison it in your own body. You have violated not just your body, but you have violated the demon's freedom also. And I had to apologize to the demon. And I I, I did. I, I cried and I, I said, 
God, I'm so sorry. How, how could I have done this? And, and what do I have to do? What, what, how, can I, how can I make this up to you? And the demon just said, just let it go. Just let it go. And I said, it's not that easy. I can't just <laughs> let it go. I can't just do that. And he said back to me, yeah, it is. Just let go. And at that moment, it just made a lot of sense to me. And I let go. And at that moment is where you see me stand up and raise my arms to the sky. And I had never felt freer. Man, that's, wow, it's incredible. I mean, that there is a compound on this planet that, you know, possibly, hypothetically, theoretically, that you know, indigenous populations have been using for thousands of years. You know, these shamans drink this you know, herbal tea and, you know, maybe the, they have these vision quests and, and go and they can, you know, diagnose like what's going on with, with these people spiritually. And then, you know, somehow it infiltrates you know, Western culture. I mean, there's this psychedelic renaissance that's happening with plant medicine, ayahuasca, namely ayahuasca, um, MAPS, uh, the Multiplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, Rick Doblin. I mean, they're they're at the forefront of this. And I mean, this is why I love the documentary from Shock to Awe so much is because, you know, we've, like I said, we've had so many of these these shows now over the six years that we've been doing this, this, this broadcast. And I remember there was a service woman that emailed me once and she said, and she said, Xavier, you know, I've, I've never really considered this ever you know but after listening to the show you know I'm, I'm i'm changing my mind about this and it really struck me you know it really struck me that you know it 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 is possible for this this plant to help people right and you know i, I want to talk to you about neurologically you know i'm sure you know what uh neurogenesis is and there are only yeah. three, four, or five compounds, handful of compounds that do this in the brain. So tell us about neurogenesis and what's going on in the brain when a person drinks uh, this tea, ayahuasca. Well, um, both uh, the um, beta-carbolines, which uh, inhibit monoamine oxidase, uh, and also DMT, they both stimulate neurogenesis in the brain. Um, and it's actually true of most of the endoalkylamines. Almost every entheogen out there will stimulate new connections and new neuron growth in the brain. So these substances are really taking advantage of a, a, a route of healing that has kind of been known to psychology for some time. There's a reason why the SSRIs and the SNRIs, they say that you have to take them for 30 days before you start to feel the effects of it. And that's because it takes about 30 days for those substances to generate new neurons and new neuronal connections. Mm -hmm. So these substances, especially the tryptamines, they tend to jumpstart the process and you start having massive amounts of neural connection between areas of the brain that are formerly unconnected and neurogenesis between all of these disparate sections of the brain almost immediately. So um, ayahuasca having the dual components of the beta-carbolines um, that uh, inhibit MAO and the DMT, 
which is a straight tryptamine that stimulates your brain to connect in all kinds of different ways it normally doesn't, these two substances together, probably with a, a number of other substances that are also in the plants, they serve together in order to create a one-two punch to your brain, to really kick it out of all of those bad and negative thought loops that you have become so accustomed to that your ego continually beats you up with. So these things can, can really change your mind about how you are in relation to your trauma, how your trauma defines you. Most people, when they're really deep in that dark hole, their trauma completely defines them. But when you step outside of yourself with this ego reduction that the tryptamines bring, you can finally see that your trauma doesn't really have much to do with you. It made you who you are, but it does not have to determine who you will be. And you can heal from these things. That's my lesson from the use of all things entheogenic is that PTSD, trauma, it's curable. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's so powerful. And I, I think... I think probably your you know your first session with the tea could probably be branded the I love you session you know in all <laughs> regards and and I think that's a huge part of it is just remembering that we you know there's there's love it is love and it's it, it's capable you know it's it's there we're capable of reaching it within ourselves and you know so so ayahuasca is made of two plants it's the it's the vine and the leaf right and the 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 vine Correct. is the muoi and the leaf is it has the dmt uh-huh but there are Correct. all kinds of alkaloids that are that are in the plants themselves yeah, correct um especially in the vine um the vine itself is the maoi so there's all kinds of beta carbolines in there there is harmine there's harmane there's harmalol there's tetrahydroharmine there's tetrahydroharmalol. Um, there are dozens of different entourage elements in this plant, and they all add up to some kind of monoaminergic inhibition. And they just they simply take your enzyme that normally breaks down things like serotonin or anything that looks like it, and it inhibits that enzyme. Then in the chacruna, chacruna is the leaf, and it's from a different bush in the Amazon. Um, and Chacruna has dimethyltryptamine in it. It also has N-methyltryptamine um, and a number of other entourage elements in there with it that are similar to DMT. It, but DMT is the primary alkaloid. DMT is possibly one of the most visual hallucinogens on the face of the planet. Um, it is uh, an extremely potent experience, especially by itself, too. Uh, but it's very short-lived because of the monoamine oxidase enzyme. If uh, uh, Some people have been known to extract DMT from either Chacruna or Mimosa hostilis. Uh, there's several other plants, Acacia confusa, that all have high levels of DMT. So this, this is everywhere in nature. DMT is one of the most ubiquitous chemical substances on the face of planet Earth. It's present in so many species, hundreds and hundreds of plants and, and at least dozens of animals. So we take these two substances, the, chuk, the, the chacruna, the, the bush in the Amazon, and then the vine, the ayahuasca vine, 
The copy and, line, right? Yeah, uh, banisteriosis copy. Yes. And, um, so you, you could combine these two I- ingredients, and the copy inhibits your enzymes, so the DMT can actually reach your, your bloodstream. And then you have a relatively long-lasting DMT experience. So uh, the DMT, whereas normally if smoked, um, can go to the, your brain and disappear in a matter of 15, 20 minutes, the MAOI allows it to persist in your bloodstream for two to three hours. Hmm. So you have a lot more time to sort of interface with the chemical and go to this place where you renegotiate your relationship to your ego and renegotiate your relationship to your trauma and then bring something back that you can apply to your everyday life that will then change you forevermore. It's so incredible to me, Matt, like this, that this exists and we have access to it. Uh, you know, the only problem is it seems like, you know, these pharmaceutical companies and drug policy is completely backwards. I mean, this is illegal by law. And, you know, most people are, you know, flying to down to South America just to access this. They're, you know, they're struggling to find it. What's going on with drug policy right now? Is it just you know, this corporate banker thing where they're just trying to farm humans, farm our suffering, keep us sort of addicted to these pharmaceutical drugs. What, you know, what's going on with with drug policy and its reform? I mean, we're starting to see a bit of reform very slowly, but it seems to me the drug war is an abject failure. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, it does nothing but criminalize the population of the United States and indeed the population of the entire world. I mean, if you are guilty of using a substance that doesn't happen to be on the approved list in order to improve your life, then you're a criminal, period. So it's not really a war on drugs. It's a war on people. It's a war on the citizens of the United States and of the world. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was the Controlled Substances Act uh, 1971, Richard Nixon, and then the Reagan administration uh, and and their campaign just say no. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing where we have sort of ended up. And, you know, I'm so glad there are organizations such as yours and what you guys are doing, especially for veterans, because, I mean, here are people that go, you know, to serve our country and you know, perhaps they don't know what they're getting into. You know, perhaps they're going over there because out of necessity, perhaps, you know, they they just can't afford to do anything else. They can't afford to go to college, you know, yet unless until they serve and they come back and they're broken in pieces. And, you know, it doesn't just have to be veterans. It Many people go through this. Many people are walking around with trauma. And as you said, in the work Absolutely. of- with the work of uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, you know, we carry around this childhood, you know, trauma for our whole lives. And, you know, it's, it seems like we're just searching for something, anything. And ayahuasca, plant medicine, seems to be that thing right now. I think that, um, especially, you, you hit on a, a, an amazing um, point there. The fact that trauma is the one thing that really ties us all together. Um, it doesn't really matter who you are. There's some kind of traumatic experience in your past that you could benefit from facing, feeling, and then moving through. So 
combat veterans universally, they tend to also have a little bit of childhood trauma. Um, that's usually the predictor for what adult PTSD is. So if you have a little bit of childhood trauma and then you have the military trauma on top of it, the military trauma is really just the thing that cracks the egg open. And then once the egg is open, the yolk flies everywhere and you can't put it all back inside. So, um, that's what I found with my own trauma is the fact that, uh, the military trauma just really, I found that the, the, the veins and the roots of it went so deep into my being that, um, they didn't just stop with the military. It went all the way back to early childhood. And I think that that's something that we all feel to some degree or another. We have, 22 veterans at the upper end that are committing suicide every day and maybe about 39 who are overdosing every day and and dying from as a result of the overdose but if you look at the larger numbers it's about 121 individuals in America today that are committing suicide every day 22 is a minority of that and granted, veterans are a tiny minority of the population. We definitely have an outsized influence on that number. But the fact is, is the vast majority of trauma is in the civilian population. And with addiction and overdose, you're talking about 198 people dying. That's ridiculous. Every single day, 121 from suicide and 198 from uh, addiction and overdose. So that total, you're getting about 320 people a day who are dying from untreated trauma. That's it. That's the bottom line. Untreated trauma is what is causing this massive, not only human toll, but societal toll and economic toll. How many days are lost because somebody just can't pull it together enough in order to go to work? Mm. How many days are lost? How many? How much productivity is lost because somebody loses a job because they keep screwing it up because they just can't handle it because of their trauma? How much of the crime in America is actually caused by criminals who are simply acting out the trauma that was done to them at a very early age? What kind of economic and social impact could we have if we started opening these medicines up to all people regardless of what their background is. Veterans, you know, we're the poster boys for PTSD right now, but it's our job to call attention to the fact that the main repository of trauma in our society is in the civilian side. And we all deserve recognition for our pain, and nobody's pain is any more important than anybody else's. Yeah, wow, such a powerful statement. Uh, you know, I, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier when you were t talking about your journey and you, you know, you said there was, there was something about using the opiates that numbed the pain for you. And, you know, I've, I've been there. I've, you know, I've, I remember after my first session and I, I, I never drank again, you know, but in a world where alcohol is available on every street corner, you know, and it, it just seems like it's, it's resistant to this healing aspect of things. And, you know, I think it's so important that we, we recognize, we change the perception of these compounds because I think some people, you know, they hear ayahuasca or psychedelics, which I'm not really fond of that word, but, you know, they, they hear yeah. about this and they just, they just, they turn off, you know, it's like a switch. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's obvious that this is helping people and, 
you know, like you said, this this comes down, it's not just your service that that you looked back at and and you know, saw that there's trauma here. It went back all the way to your childhood and it affected something deep down in in your soul. Yeah, um and I I really think that that's sort of the 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 crux of it. Um Veterans, you know, like I, I said, we are the poster boys for PTSD right now. And love us or hate us, we're natural leaders. So we get back to civilian life. And if we find something that works for us, there's not many veterans that are going to just shut up and like go melt away into a corner. We're going to start speaking up about it because, hey, this works, guys. I don't want another one of my brothers or sisters to die. So please, please, please listen and take advantage of these methods of healing. So that is really where the veteran kind of fits into the whole drug war agenda is the fact that we have a unique voice and we can speak to a certain segment of the population that normally is completely unfazed by any sort of argument pro psychedelics. Namely that it's it's the conservative side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The fact remains is that veterans, yes, we have raised our hand and we have pledged our life to the support and defense of the Constitution of the United States and also to the people of America. And there are not many conservatives out there who will deny that. And they will, even if they disagree, they're at least going to listen. They're going to give us a chance to say our piece. And I've really taken advantage of that by uh, going into the capitals of state um, uh, governments and also national governments. Uh, I actually uh, held a congressional brief in the U.S. Capitol in D.C. on December 12th where I talked about psychedelics as treatment for PTSD. Myself and another veteran, too. His name is Jonathan Lubecki, and he was part of the MDMA trials. Hmm. So, um, you know, there is some small change happening, but I really believe that veterans are going to be the linchpin. We're really the tip of the spear on this. We are pushing the idea of plant medicine right up into the centers of power in Washington, D.C., and every state capital across the nation. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And, you know, I applaud you for your work and, and doing this and bringing it to the mainstream, as it were. Um, you know, can you imagine, can you imagine if there were, you know, ayahuasca centers on every street corner instead of alcohol, just available freely? I mean, and, and people could access this and maybe treat, you know, some of that, that struggle and find, you know, healing, true healing. And it it, it wasn't just, you know, you found, you found healing in the family aspect as well. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how it, it helped you in your connection to your family and your your sort of everyday life and your, your connection to your wife and your kids? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, when you have a psychedelic experience or an entheogenic experience, however you want to term it, um, you are basically shown an open door which leads you to a vision of how things could be. But psychedelics themselves aren't the answer. Psychedelics can show you the way, but really the work has to be done in your everyday life. You have to start making changes in the way you actually live your life, the way you think from moment to moment, the way you react to certain triggers and stimuli. 
You have to change that on a basic fundamental level in order for you to get better. And that's what they talk about, quote, doing the work. You know, there's a lot of people that go to the psychedelics and then afterwards they have to do the work. And doing the work involves changing the way you interact with your experience, interact with reality, interact with life. Hmm. So I had to immediately start reviewing almost everything that I did in life. And and believe it or not, it wasn't just ayahuasca that I pursued. As soon as I tried ayahuasca, I realized that these things can really work. And I determined that I need to know everything there is to know about all of the indole alkylamine um, entheogens. And, and so a month after I took ayahuasca on From Shock to Awe, I went down to Peru and I recorded a movie called Soldiers of the Vine, which is available for free on YouTube. Um, and then a month after that, I went down to Mexico and I took Ibogaine and also hmm. Toad, which is 5-methoxy-DMT. A month after that, I was uh, exploring peyote here in the States. And a month after that, I was trying mushrooms under the the guidance of a, a, a gringo. Um, so um, 2016 was a bit of a crazy year for me, <laughs> but I emerged from 2016 a completely different person with a completely different relationship to my trauma. My trauma no longer determined who I was as a person. It was simply something that was a part of the greater whole. Yeah. So, um, yeah. A- a- anyway, so the, the the point being is is that these these substances can can really catalyze profound changes in your life, but you have to be willing to do the work in between. You can't just go back to your old habits and your old ways of of inter- interacting with with the universe around you. You have to actually change. And one of the ways that I started changing is I started re-engaging my family in a huge way. My son was born just before military service. And then when I got into the military, I was never there. I was gone from sunup to sundown, training. And then a few months after that, I was deployed for almost you know, a year and a quarter. And then I was home for a few months. And then I deployed again for another year. Um, except that time I got medevaced. And when I got medevaced, it was even worse because I was home, but I was on all these medications. So I was really, truly absent. I was completely messed up in the head. And I was a zombie. I was drooling on myself. I couldn't hold a conversation. There was no way that I could actually father my children. You know, I couldn't be there for them. So I was absent for their entire childhood. And it really, really messed with me. And I talk about it a lot in in the film, but um, what the medicine led me back to is the fact that I needed to rebuild my relationship with them, and I needed to start from ground one, like the the ground level, you know. And um, so the first thing I started to do was reengage with my wife, and even though I was reengaging with my wife, I was still doing all of these other things that had been important to my healing up to that point, which is like helping other veterans. And it's really just recently, just within the past year that I decided that I needed to really start fixing all the lack of attention that my kids had gotten from me. Um, so in August of last year, I actually pulled my oldest son out of school 
and I started homeschooling him. Hmm. And I have actually, I've believe it or not, I have I have uh, completely rearranged our relationship, and I have a completely new understanding and appreciation for who he is as a human being. I don't yell at him anymore. We just talk, and we talk about everything. We talk about uh, school, and we talk about friends, and we talk about girls, and we talk about hopes and dreams, and we talk about the future. We talk about college. We talk about life, and it's wonderful. It's completely changed my own feeling about myself and my feeling about myself in relationship to my family, too. Yeah, I mean, that's so powerful, man. I, I love your words. I love that. I love what you said about not you can't be lazy about this. You know, it's not like it's not like this cure all. There is no magic pill. You don't show up to a session and suddenly you're just sort of healed and you know you kind of move around and that that's it. It you have to as you said, you have to do the work. You have to take it very seriously. I mean, it it is very serious and and I think for me, you know, the tea showed me so much and I would classify my life as, you know, pre ayahuasca and post ayahuasca just flat out and you know, it it took me a long time just to be able to talk about some of the things, and I and I I don't remember you know when I cried the last time that I had cried, and my first session it was like I was my face was you know a wet sloppy mess, <laughs> and yeah. you know and what you said about purging I think is so on point. You know, there's something about it that is almost spiritual. You know, I think maybe. It does go in there, you know, if your cells store memory, if they store trauma, maybe it kind of finds those things, those attachments, those demons, and and then it's it's out. It's out of you, you know, and it's such a it's such a powerful experience, you know, in every angle, in every facet. But, you know, as you said, you know, I I think we have to be ready to do the work within ourselves and 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 I'm so glad for you that the the relationship between you and your son has evolved and you know I, I think it's about the collective it's it's about the network that we create around us it's not just about the the just individually us and our own evolution but it's also the evolution of you know our family and the people that we care about and our friends and and the reason that I do the show to be honest yeah it's the evolution of everyone that you come into contact with because each time that you take a step forward you're kind of pulling along everyone that is on the ride with you. Yeah. Um, there's there's no other way to really describe it, but you know the fact that I have found this way out of a deep dark hole, this horrible horrific trauma, has basically created a roadmap by which hundreds, maybe thousands of other people are now first starting to take their own steps on that path. I love it, man. And, and there's a quote. There's a quote that of yours that I really like. That I found it. Um, no one in, in no one is free in America so long as nature is illegal, and it's so true. You know, absolutely. Because if nature is illegal, then what what the he what the heck is freedom to us? Like, if I can't plant a seed in the ground, watch it grow, and then use it in order to feed, clothe, or medicate myself then I am not free, period. There is no, no kind of reality in which a person is free who can't simply put a seed into the ground. That's, we, we are 
under a completely backward and totalitarian and tyrannical edict and regime that creates these restrictions upon us. We are living in a jail in which we're not allowed to touch certain parts of nature. And I cannot abide by that, period. I was... I swore to support and defend the United States Constitution. And when I read through the United States Constitution, what it tells me is that it was created to restrict powers of government and not the people. It was designed to protect the rights of the people to do anything they want so long as they hurt no one else. So if I decide to drink a tea from an Amazonian jungle plant, so be it. That should be completely within our rights and priorities as individual human beings. And there is nothing in the world that should come between us and nature. I love it. I love it so much. And I couldn't agree more. I think it the, the current system is absolutely archaic. And I can't see a reason for it to exist the way it does other than to enslave humanity. And you know, it's it's time for us to do something about that. Um, you know, Matt, we've got about 15 minutes left. And you know, I really want to reach out to, you know, the people that maybe there's a veteran that's going to hear this and maybe they're on the fence about this, you know, or there's a person that is struggling from this internal pain. I mean, what's your What's your sort of takeaway from this whole journey that you've been on? And what do you, I mean, what do you say to that, that veteran, your brother, sister, whatever it may be, what do you say to these people that are suffering out there and they, they just can't seem to find, you know, that thing that works for them? I think I would say you need to live for yourself and not for other people because so many of us are stuck within the prison bars that society and other people have created around us and our own minds. And you need to step outside that box. That box, it was made by other people for you, but it's not your box. You need to find out where you actually live, where you can actually go as a human being, not just bodily, but mentally too. If cognitive freedom is not a right guaranteed by the Constitution, then I think Terrence McKinnon said it, that it's not worth the hemp that it was written on. Right. The Constitution is not worth the hemp it was written on. So um, I think that if you are on the fence about these treatments, you don't need to be. I know Green Berets. I know SEAL Team 6 members who are using endoalkylamine entheogens to improve their lives and to get over trauma that they have incurred as a result of service and as a result of their childhood. I know people in Delta Force, people in CAG, who are actually exploring their own minds and their own souls with the help of these plants and these substances. So uh, if you're on the fence about it, don't be. These things are very well proven with thousands of years of use. And the fact is, is Western medicine, it's like a child. It's like a, a screaming baby, and it has no idea how to use all of these appendages that are given to it. 
there is so much more that your mind is capable of, and there's so much more that your body is capable of. There's so much more that you are capable of. And these plants, they're simply the beginning of it. They will show you the way, but you have to walk that path yourself. Indeed, indeed, my friend. Um, you know, and what about what about the people who you know haven't served at all the the you know people who haven't served in the military and perhaps they're they're suffering you know as as you noted in your story you know this this goes back to childhood I and mean, you've you know dr gabor mate's work which i i think is revolutionary and he he talks about how we carry around these traumas for our whole lives and we never truly face them you know whether they're abandonment issues or you know, something else we never really address them no one really ever asks us what happened to you as a child what happened to you you know and so let's let's talk about that a little bit and then we'll wrap up but you know what do you what do you say to someone who hasn't served at all yeah i mean we we spend our whole lives avoiding these topics i mean if something bad happened to you when you were a kid and somebody asks you about it when you're an adult, oh, you totally gloss over it. You're like, yeah, man, it was a messed up thing. And, you know, my dad was uh, totally absent or angry and he hit me or uh, my uncle touched me wrong. Um, it, there's all these different things that happen to us, but that we don't really incorporate. We don't, we don't actually integrate them into our personality. We push them away and we lock them into a deep, dark closet somewhere. And we use all kinds of defense mechanisms in order to avoid talking about these things, whether it's self-deprecating humor or it is a simple avoidance. Um, there are so many different tactics that we use to try to erase these things out of our history. But the only way to really, truly reconcile these things and reintegrate them into the whole of your being is to truly sit there and delve into them, experience them fully. And then just like the rain clouds come and go, so will these memories and so will these traumas. So the, the clouds may come and obscure the sun for a brief moment. But you know that eventually the clouds will go away and the sun will shine again. Mm-hmm. I'm so, sorry to so, sorry to bump you there. Go ahead. No, um, but um, another thing I would like to tell the people who um, have never been to combat. Listen, I have. When I first got out of the military, I had a very common prejudice that is present in a lot of infantrymen. I mean, our job is to kick down doors, blow stuff up, and kill people straight up. This is like. Trauma 101. And um, I started realizing, I got out of the service and I was really mad at the people who claimed to have PTSD but never really did any of the stuff that I did. And I had a prejudice against them. But gradually, in the process of my advocacy, I would sit down with some of these people and I would say, all right, man, like, what, what, what really happened to you? And they would say things like, Listen, nothing, I didn't really do anything like you did. I can't even imagine what it's like being you. But let me tell you what happened to me. And then they would tell me this story, and half the time my jaw would hit the floor, and I would come out of that conversation thinking to myself, how the heck did you deal with that? I have no experience 
in being able to try to pull myself together after an experience like that. Some of these are horrific, horrific trauma. It could be being kidnapped and systematically tortured. It could be a, a, a rape or a, uh, a number of rapes over a long period of time. This betrayal by authority figures and people that you're supposed to trust. I have no idea how some of these people pull themselves together after this. And so I still have to tell people, yeah, you may not have kicked down some doors and blown stuff up and killed people, but your trauma is just as important as mine is. And don't ever, ever, ever let anyone tell you anything different. Yeah, for for sure. Matt, there's there's a question that I really, really like, and it's from Cosmos of Compassion. And they ask, if one has a rough mental history, psychotic breaks, is there ever, ever a chance for such people to use plant medicine? Having such a bad history, will I ever be approved plant medicine? Um, if you have genuine psychosis in your background, like psychotic breaks, um, I think that the chances that you would experience a, a psychotic break um, under the influence of some of these substances might be slightly higher. So definitely proceed with caution. Uh, I think that there, there are a lot of people who advise those with um, histories with psychosis to never engage in any of these substances. But personally, I have had a psychotic break. Um, I, there was a period of time where I didn't sleep for over a week in um, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I was imagining Taliban outside my window flitting around in the shadows, and I would routinely go and clear my house with a firearm and then clear the outside of my house with that same firearm. And um, I, was, I was not right in the head. I was imagining things. I was, um, I was legitimate, I think, psychotic. I, it felt like I was going crazy. So um, the fact that I have been able to at least come to a different portion of my life all of those incidences are way far in the past. I have been able to use these medicines to help fix myself so that that kind of thing never happens again. I think it depends on the person, really. And you really have to proceed with caution if you are prone to psychotic breaks and there are no substances involved. Like, let's say you turned 18 and you just had a schizophrenic attack. Um, and you weren't on any sort of medications or drugs or anything like that, you are at risk for being, um, for undergoing a psychotic break while underneath the influence of these substances. But if you had some kind of incident in your past in which uh, you may have imagined things or heard voices or something like that, especially in, under the influence of medication, then if you eliminate the medication, then more than likely you're going to be able to eliminate the psychotic symptoms and you can then re-engage with some of these tryptamine substances in a safe manner. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that answer and, you know, proceed with caution, I think, is the the general rule. And, you know, we, we are not medical professionals and we, we're not pretending to be. So, you know, and make nothing sure. constitutes medical advice here. So <laughs> this is for entertainment purposes only and your information. So please, you know, proceed with caution and, and make sure that, you know, you're making wise choices and decisions with uh, 
your mental health and and what you decide to do with with your body um you know matt i i I think one of the most important things also is to have someone around that you trust that can monitor you for these kinds of symptoms so if you are undergoing a psychedelic experience having someone that you know love and trust that is close to you that can help you through the these things and then also tell you if you're starting to slip and having them available is extremely important. Yeah, yeah, and you know if if these compounds weren't illegal, people wouldn't, you know, be trying to order them on the internet and cooking them in their kitchens and then you know maybe jumping out of windows or something because they they're you know like they're not guided by a shaman or you know someone trained to do this. Do not do this by yourself. You know, I think people ask me, you know, they 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 think, you know, it's something that they can do just sitting alone in their living room. I do not recommend this whatsoever. Do not order it on the internet. Go to someone that is trained in guiding you through a session because there there is an uh, an integration period that that you need. You need to be able to talk about your experience is so important. Um a friend of mine tried to cook it in his kitchen. He was like burning incense, like drawing like war paint on his body. He it was not a it was not a healthy thing for him to to go through that. Yeah, I I think um the vast majority of people could benefit from having either a trip sitter or a trusted friend together or both. Honestly, I think that these things can work in concert and provide layers of protection for you. Um, There's another thing that you really need to do when undergoing any sort of psychedelic experience is sort of develop a spiritual practice of your own. It doesn't need to be anything from any major religion. It can just be stuff that you pull from several different religions, things that resonate with you, things that make sense and they make you feel good and they ground you. So, Having this sort of ritualized approach to um, entheogenic exploration can be extremely valuable. But I also want to say that there is so much focus these days on integration and having a proper shaman and all this stuff. And, you know, believe it or not, all of the best shamans that I have ever come across have said, I don't do anything. The medicine does it in concert with you. Hmm. And actually they're just providing the safe space. They're just they're just simply containing the area and letting whatever comes out come out. And um I think that there is intrinsic value to these substances whether it's ayahuasca or um, even just plain DMT or 5-methoxy DMT, toad, bufo, um, uh, mescaline with uh, San Pedro and uh, peyote. I think there's intrinsic value to mushrooms and psilocybin. I think there's intrinsic value to all kinds of different plant medicines. You can do these things, yes, alone, but those things are for the advanced practitioner only. <laughs> very, very important. Um, I think that uh, the vast majority of people could benefit from using some kind of support system, whether it's a shaman and a trusted friend or a shaman, a trusted friend and a psychotherapist to talk about all of your experiences with afterwards, because you got to unpack everything. 
you know, your shaman is going to be there or your, your facilitator is going to be there through the experience and they're going to let you talk about it a little bit afterwards. But really, you're going to really start uh, unpacking everything that just happened to you over the months and years after your experience, not in the 24 hours afterwards. So um, it will continue to develop layers of meaning as you go on and and you experience more of life. You'll start to realize how different things that you learned are more applicable to each individual situation. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, I, I think I've heard you know something like it's years of therapy in, in one sitting, one session, and I would agree with that. So, you know, I, th- I think there's a there's a lot to, to unpack there. Um, Matt, I, th- I think we're out of time, man. Where can people find, you know, you, your work? Where can people find From Shock to Awe? Tell us how we can get there and, and watch the documentary, please. Um, you can find a uh, link to all of the ancillary materials for From Shock to Awe at fromshocktoawe.com. And you can actually rent the movie itself from Amazon Prime, from Google Play, and I think you can also do it from iTunes. So um, you can actually watch the full hour and a half, two hour movie if you'd like for a nominal fee. And um, you can find me at least online. I've actually d- divorced myself from Facebook recently, nice. but um, I I still run the organization called Veterans for Natural Rights, and it's it's found on Facebook, it's found on Instagram, it's found on a bunch of different th- uh, platforms. Um, you can follow me and uh, my activities there. Um, you can also uh, go to the the website veteransfornaturalrights.org. And um, there you'll find um, trailers for the 1620 series, which is more about cannabis and how it helps pull us out of the pharmaceutical hell. And also you'll find links to From Shock to Awe uh, trailers there and and Soldiers of the Vine, which is a full hour and 10 minute movie about ayahuasca as healing for PTSD. Yeah, wow, Matt. You know, I, I really want to thank you for your service in, in on all levels. I mean, there's it's so important the work that you're doing here, guys. That's gonna do it for us. I mean, what a show! What a, what an amazing you know thing to learn about ayahuasca and plant medicine is something very close to my heart, and I truly believe if there's anything that's going to turn things around here on the planet, it's probably gonna be plant medicine. So. I hope you guys enjoyed this this broadcast. We will be back next week with yet another show. If you are subscribed to us on YouTube, make sure you click the like button. If you are listening to the podcast version of this, please get over to iTunes. Leave us a review. Please make sure you share this broadcast with your friends, family, people you care about. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week week.